You're listening to Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall. Folks, you are listening to Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall. It's so good to be talking to you. I'll keep this brief because last week I had a lot of announcements and um, this week I just want to highlight a few of the most important things. Number one, we have a new everything, okay? New app, new website, new support portal, new way of streaming our live services. Folks, if you have questions about anything or you need anything from us, there is a little exclamation point that floats at the bottom right corner of every page at bridemovement.com. Click it. It's support.bridemovement.com. At that support portal, you will find everything you need. Some of you, I know you miss the email box that we used to make available where we answered all of our questions one at a time. But we are trying to cut down on administrative resources uh, expended in that way. We are trying to make the most of what we are working with here. And, and let me tell you something. Bride Ministries is a smaller off operation than you think. I'm a part-time employee of my own organization. My wife is basically a volunteer, and we have one person <laughs> that handles our administrative support. And so understand, we are uh, doing the best with what we have. So we are streamlining. Now, um, if you haven't enjoyed the Bride Movement Church, Bride Ministries Church yet this year, uh, you will notice that we have a new background, a new camera, uh, we are live streaming. You can link to the live stream straight from the app on your phone. So we try to make that super convenient um, or go through the website. It's also still on YouTube. And in the future, we look at, we're look at we looking at getting on the Roku app and Apple TV uh, with this setup. So we're very excited about this. And the, the chat room has been very active <laughs> these past few weeks. And so we're excited. We're starting a new series this Sunday. I want you to know that we're going to be in Australia and we're going to be there for about three weeks. We're going to be in Brisbane first, followed by uh, Bendigo, and then we're going to be in Adelaide. And uh, we will be at Gateway Church and Field of Dreams when we are in Adelaide. And we are going to be at the Elijah Fire 2020 Convergence in Brisbane. Now, if you go into the details of this show, you will find that you can sign up for, if you happen to be in the Brisbane area, that conference and you can even get a discount. I also want you to know that we have our own conference coming up in May, the Bride Tribe Advance, and it's going to be super exciting. We are going to be at Tanglewood Resort, so it is a resort experience. You can you can turn this into your vacation. I mean, they have a, three pools, a spa. They have horseback riding, folks, horseback riding. And so uh, while the horseback riding is not included in your uh, cost, <laughs> that's a little separate. Uh, what is included in your cost is everything. The conference, your room, and all your food. It's one price. So I invite you to sign up at bridemovement.com. We'd love to have you there in person. That's where we have family <laughs> because Bride Tribe is a family. It's a community. And we are just so excited to see what the Lord is doing. With that said, you are going to really enjoy this week's podcast. It's a treat. As this is the fourth week of the month, you are going to find that you are listening to the Christian Business Podcast on Discovering Truth. And my wife is going to be hosting this podcast every fourth week of the month all year. 
um, at least this year, and we'll see what happens going into the future. She's going to be featuring a whole lot, uh, but it's going to be focused in on entrepreneurship, business development, uh, framing up kingdom perspective on enterprise, a lot of exciting things coming um, through her gift anointing, and I am going to be the first guest. So uh, get ready. Don't go anywhere. All right, this is the Christian Business Podcast on Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall. And I know what you're thinking. That's not Dan Duvall. You're correct. I am Christian. I'm Dan Duvall's wife. And we are doing something different in 2020 that we've never done before. We are doing a Dan Duvall um, takedown in a Christian Duvall takeover. <laughs> He's laughing. <laughs> so what happened was uh, Daniel made me do a podcast on kingdom business. He forced me to do it. And since that time, I've gotten a lot of feedback about how invaluable that revelation was, but also revelation and a lot more information on kingdom business. And so what we decided to do is to do a podcast that features uh, business leaders and people who are working in all sorts of areas of the kingdom and hear about their revelation because we think it's going to be really helpful to you. I'm going to turn it over to Daniel so he can explain a little bit more and then we'll kind of go from there. Well, this is exciting for me. I am excited for a number of reasons, folks. Number one, uh, my wife is a business professional by trade. If you didn't know, she has an MBA from Harvard. She has worked for a number of uh, corporations and um, significant companies and has a whole lot of insight uh, from the practical standpoint. Moreover, uh, she has been actively getting many downloads um, from a spiritual standpoint and stands between the two worlds as like a merger. And I feel she has so much to bring to the table need to understand, you know, God wants us doing the business of the kingdom. And so this podcast is going to be given to her once at the end of every month this year to let her be her and uh, to interview other guests, to share things from her personal uh, arsenal of wisdom. And I am just very proud of her for stepping up to the plate. Thank you. Thank you for letting me take over once a month. Um, just to kind of let you know what we have, we have some incredible guests lined up. We have guests who are um, in, you know, in the marketplace with a, Todd, Todd Edwards has a, a very successful software company and he has incredible revelation on how to pray things into existence and how to really marry the, the kingdom with what he's doing in business. We have Rachel Weatherly who has her own law practice, who understands the courts of heaven and her journey about how to get it up and running. We have social entrepreneurs who are doing things like um, rescuing people from you know, uh, human trafficking, but doing that from a social enterprise perspective. And I also have some things to share. So this podcast is gonna run 
We have 12 for the year. It's going to be really super interesting. doesn't matter what part of business you're in, even if it's kind of a ministry slash business, you're going to find some nuggets and things that you can take away that are going to be incredibly helpful moving forward. But today uh-huh. I have booked for you the most amazing, insightful, handsome, incredibly sweet and kind and lovable guest. <laughs> you had to think real hard about that one. Daniel told me to be nice to him. Always helps. <laughs> He's like, I said, do you have any tips? He's like, be nice to me. I'm like, you're my husband. He's like, exactly. Uh-huh. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I, and so you made, what's really interesting, cool about this is that when you think of Dan Duvall, I know what you think. You think weird, you think spiritual warfare, you think, you know, weird, but there's a lot more to Daniel Duvall than just weird. He actually has some incredibly amazing things to say about economics. As a matter of fact, when we got on the phone, before we even started dating, the conversations that we were having were about the coming economic system. And he was asking my spirit what she thought knew about it. He had been journaling, his spirit had been journaling about the coming economic system. And that's one thing we had in common was we're not just doing little things to just do little things. Everything we're doing is building a foundation on which we are able to help usher in an economic system that reflects the heavenly economy and the way God would actually do things. And so we've had that in common for years, Dan, Daniel, ever since we've met each other. And I think that most people have never heard you talk about some of your revelation on this. And I think it's, it's a perfect way to start this podcast because there's so many interesting things you have to say. So having said that, welcome to the, to the program. I'm super excited to have you. I know you're busy <laughs> and I'm so glad you made time for me. Never too busy for you, baby. Okay. So I'm going to start with the first question because this is really, really interesting. So talk to me about the origins of the cosmic trade and how that whole thing impacts us today? Well, let's get started. Now, I have to just, you know, say this. I think that a lot of times when we think about kingdom economics and we think about how God wants us to look at money, we always hit some of the same points, right? We, we go to churches and, and different things and we, we learn about stewardship often, right? How to save, how to budget some things. We learn how to give, sow, and, uh, you know, sometimes we talk about reaping as well because sowing and reaping are actually two separate things. You, you, you can sow a lot. If you never reap, all you see just stays in the ground. And so we often break it down to some of these simple concepts, but as you know, and Folks, you're about to get more from me on this subject. The whole idea of economics and trade is far more expansive than most of the teaching that I've heard personally thus far. And this is where it goes back to. In Ezekiel 28, we see a picture of Lucifer, and we see a picture of what is going on around his fall, paired with Isaiah 14, many uh, 
teachers, leaders, theologians have derived a lot of what we understand about Lucifer or Satan. And when we read, you know, we often say, okay, yeah, well, Satan sinned. Satan wanted to be like God and God took him and threw him out of heaven. Therefore, you know, we get this passage where Jesus is saying, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning in the book of Luke. But we don't, that's not the whole picture. And, and, and frankly, when we read Ezekiel 28, we see something that stands out. This is so profound and, and, and really remains largely unacknowledged. So it says, beginning in verse 14, you were the anointed cherub who covers, I established. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of fiery stones. You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created till iniquity was found in you. By the abundance of your trading, you became filled with violence within and you sinned. Therefore, I cast you as a profane thing out of the mountain of God and destroyed you, O covering cherub. And the most fascinating thing here, as it relates to our conversation today, Christian, is that Satan is having his sin preceded by trade. Trade in the heavens, in this pre-Adamic sense, is happening. There is, and, and this is the thing, we have to understand, he's not all by himself. In order to trade, you have to have at least two parties. And he had not just a little bit of trading, it was an abundance of trading. So all of this exchange back and forth, this um, commodity uh, exchange in the heavens is more ancient than the existence of mankind on the earth. Lucifer was in the trade before he fell, and this helps us to understand something. There has always, always been cosmic trade, and there's always been cosmic economy. And this is why economic wisdom and conquest is something that is first spiritual and secondarily natural. And, and, and this is one of the interesting things that many people that are keen have pointed out. That why does the Bible spend more time talking about money, trade, and wealth than it does talking about salvation or faith or even prayer? It's always talking about money and wealth and trade. Why? Well, so much of everything and every concept in the Bible that we find is actually derived from a larger pool of revelation. And it's a pool of revelation that's derived from understanding trade. You don't have prayer if you don't understand trade. You don't have salvation if you don't understand trade. As a matter of fact, even priesthood connects into trade. And so when we understand the cosmic and the spiritual element of this discussion, we can begin to get a glimpse into just how significant what we deem insignificant is. Because we think what we buy, what we spend, what we save, what we do with our money is of little consequence. But what we are doing is tethering into something that's vast, cosmic, and spiritual. And this is one of the reasons why the ruling parties of the elite have gone after that which is trade 
because they understand a deep spiritual significance of controlling trade, controlling money, and controlling wealth. What is controlled in the earth is also manipulated in the heavens. Wow. Okay. So you said a lot of really amazing things. And I think you're beginning to see, hopefully throughout this podcast, what people are able to kind of connect the dots on is number one, why has you had you as a first guest and also two, why we're doing this because there's something incredibly fundamental to our spiritual journey um, that we don't really understand until we understand money, finance, and trading as you, as you call it. That was one of the things that was a huge awakening for me over the last, I say four to five years was just this revelation around how spiritual business is, how spiritual money is, and how, um, how these things actually look in the spirit. As many of you know, I have a, a, a kingdom business course that's actually launching, launching on uh, the, 20, the 19th. So by, you know, by this point, it'll, it'll, it will have already been launched. But there's a lot in that course around just Everybody wants to jump to business and understand all the fundamentals of business, which I can explain to you in spades, but do you have the fundamentals of the spirit? Because we are spirit beings that are interacting in a spiritual context. And the more we understand that, the better equipped we are to handle the challenges that may come. And so this is really profound. I know you have a lot more to say about this, but I have to ask you, these are the conversations, you're you're peering into the conversations that we have around our kitchen table. These are our kitchen table issues. It's like, (laughs) all right, Dan, we're on a date. You know, this is how we're. So I have a question for you. And you may not know the answer, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Who was Satan trading with before he fell? Well, you know, here's the thing. Um, He was trading with other beings. Um, There was, there, there were other races. There were other groups in the heavens that were being traded with. Some of them would be classified as other angels of the Lord. And Mm -hmm. I think some of them would be classified as other creations, truly, um, of the Father. And so there's a whole lot that predates man. And, And that's one of the things that we've learned because of the work that we've done with survivors. This is kind of taking a little bit of a left sharp left here but it dovetails back in every survivor i have worked with that comes from any kind of bloodline lineage that you would call them blue bloods you call them illuminati bloodline family members or so forth there's always a connection into pre-adamic stuff somehow things that are affecting them now bondages that are holding their bloodline in in captivity now is a result of things that occurred before Adam sinned, before Adam was created. And we keep running into this over and over. And what we're running into is this pre-Adamic environment. And so who is Satan trading with? He's trading with those in a pre-Adamic environment. And sometimes, and this is where it connects into bloodlines, even trades made on pre-Adamic bloodlines that have had intersections with human bloodlines and lineages to create some of the bloodlines that are alive and well on earth today are the source of what is holding these people captive. So people are often having to use language, it sounds like, to uh, I re- renounce these sins or these iniquities mm-hmm. to a place 
before Adam. And um, so, so, so hopefully that kind of answers that question. But, but yeah, th th this is a whole area that I wish the Bible had more to talk about, like more to say, because we, we run into a lot of question marks on this one. That's awesome. That's, that's a really good answer. And for those of you who are, who are concerned because you're thinking, that's me, um, there's a good news. Jesus died before he was slain before the foundations of the world. That's so right. he has you covered. So let's move on. We're talking about trading. And now I want to talk about how trading and money go together. What's the correlation? How are they related? Let's talk a little bit about that. Well, here's the thing. Money is in this earth intended to be a store of value. So we trade money in order to get things we need, right? And um, I don't think it works quite the same way in the heavens. The heavens have a, they don't use fiat currency like we do, but um, it, it, it kind of works to the same end, right? We, we are able to acquire currency or money in this world and that allows us the ability whether we use it or not to get things we can get access we can exercise power you know if, if i have you know millions of dollars at my disposal i can make key investments that will bankrupt your business i can pick the winners and the losers this happens all the time on wall street Winners and losers are chosen by those that hold the power. Money is power. So trading allows for the acquisition of power. And this is why some people fall in love with money. The idea that they can acquire the things they want or have power causes people to fall in love with what they perceive to be a source of it, which is money. Uh, this is one of the reasons why First Timothy 6.10 says, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Because when people get it in their hearts that to get what they want, they need to get money, then money becomes their God. And the Bible says, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many arrows. Now, I don't know if Lucifer fell in love with money, but he fell in love with some aspect of trading. Something about what he was trading in the heavens was so appealing to him that he was filled with violence, violence, and he sinned. So when we see people falling in love with money, we see a pattern that really finds its origin in the heart of Lucifer falling into violence over his trading. And his heart was poisoned and God had to cast him out. The same thing when we fall in love with money, our hearts get poisoned. We get pierced through with many arrows. This is why when we come into kingdom business, what, what God is training us to do is to fall in love with him and make money our servant. That's good. Daniel, I think your microphone, you're waving it around. The, so it's Am I getting too excited a, here? Yes, yeah, so you have to loosen it up a bit so it's not waving around too much. There you go. Okay. Um, that's really good. That's really good. You know, um, I was actually just talking about this, this earlier today, you know, you mentioned this point, and this is an observation I, I kind of made to you, which is we live under, this is another part of the fa false reality overlay that we live in, which is you go to school, you do well in school, you get a job, you do well in job, 
you know, you start a business, you work hard and you will succeed. There's a massive American myth around that concept. And when, you know, when I, when I studied businesses in business school, there is that myth underlying the, the, the business that, that, that what attributes success in a business is performance and financials and its business model and its profit model and its revenue model and uh, the strategic imperative and the problem that they're solving and the value proposition. And we, we talk about all these, the marketing, we can go on and on and on how they structure the deal. But when you look at it from this lens, what you understand is, is that there are gatekeepers in every industry at every level. And they literally pick winners and losers. And I'll give you one Example, Amazon for 20 years lost billions and billions of dollars. Now it has about a third of the market share of the country of prime, of, of spending. I mean, about a third, it's about 100 million families or more have Amazon Prime. Massive market, right? You can say it is the predecessor of the B system, right? Where it's controlling everything you buy or sell because you can get groceries online, your entertainment online, your clothes, everything you can get online. To be honest with you, Dan and I do it because it's so convenient, right? But the only reason why it was allowed to live that long is because someone made the decision that they were going to continue to pump billions of dollars into a losing company until it bought the market. And now Jeff Bezos looks like a genius when the truth is, is that there's an Illuminati agenda behind it that's pumping up what it's doing. So it's, it's, it's really interesting, really good point. Not gonna take too long there, but it's really good. When, and when we think about trading and money and where we're going to engage, we have to be very clear about what we wanna emulate and what we don't. So with that, go, do you wanna want say something about that, Dan? Well, this is the thing, because <laughs> we're talking about investment, right? And uh, you bring up this great case study with Amazon, because it's true. And so there's an investment happening. When Christians look at the stock market, Wall Street, and, you know, oftentimes we're just excited, especially if we've come from a background of broken finances, to get to the point where we have $10,000. And it's like, I can get into the stock trade now. And we just look at stocks to buy and sell, you know, different companies or whatever that we are going to put our money into and, and get a return on our investment. You know, and some of them, they have payouts at, at different, you know, periods of time. And, and then if the stock soars, you can just sell the stock altogether and get a whole bunch of proceeds and um, you, you're investing and making money. Well, the thing is, there's a spiritual side of all of this. Uh, because money is not just 3D plane, where we put our money and where we sow it has spiritual ramifications, what we prop up insofar as companies, investors. And I remember sitting down with a guy one time and he had actually made some investments. And after those investments were made, they kind of went belly up and his net worth just went in the tank and it never recovered. And so we're sitting there praying through some things and one of the things that we found that there was an accusation against him because his mantle his mandate his calling was to finance kingdom works 
And he had taken this large seed and put it into an investment strategy that had nothing to do with advancing the kingdom of God in the earth. But he said, well, I'll just make money on it and the money I make, then I'll use that. And well, in this case, it was a higher level of accountability. It's like, well, no, because we know who you are and we know what you're called to do and what you carry. So on this technicality, we're going to sink you. Mm. And, and, and a lot of Christians have not realized like, you know, where we are investing is actually, there's a whole lot of spiritual movement behind that. And here's one of the things that we're talking about. Why are we talking about? We're talking about economics. Is that when I come to this table, talk Christian you you know that I have something in me right it is this idea that God has an economic system from heaven that is to be released at this juncture in human history and it is a system that will oppose the antichrist system and 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 it's it's for the healing and the redemption of nations it is it is a very big idea and I understand that, which is why I haven't really talked about it much. So you forcing me to get on here and talk about this feels kind of like how I made you feel. I was going to say. Part. I know. Like we're doing it. <laughs> Here I am in the hot seat. You know, I haven't really talked about it much. But the thing is, when we look at how is God going to bring in an economic system, is this going to you know, drop some kind of idea for a new cryptocurrency in some Christian's lap and say, well, you know, just convince a bunch of people to trade with this thing. It's bigger than that. It is a system that takes into account the, the ramifications of what happens when money is traded. And also, this is a big idea, but I'm, I'm going to explain this later on, maybe if we get there this far. Um, it ties into how economic systems are situated within the organizational structure of the nations they are traded in. And this gets into the idea of sovereignty, of corporation, incorporation, and ownership. Who owns what? And how are populations accounted for? Because when the economic system is corrected, you can actually bring a whole nation into a state of deliverance. But no one knows this because the only thing we've seen is the model that through an economic system, the whole world can be brought into a state of bondage, aka the Rothschild banking system established on central banking. That's so good. That's really good. So we know there's this cosmic trade. We kind of understand the difference between trade, how trading and money work together. Now I want to talk a little bit about what does it mean to trade between or among other realms what does that look like i'm gonna be here for a while baby we have all day <laughs> actually i have a roast on so we don't have all day folks let me tell you something about christian <laughs> roast Jason about these roasts. My mom loves Christians roast it is literally a christian roast the roast got saved then went in my <laughs> oven and came out with the glory <laughs> So we're going to have to get to that roast. So we, you might get left on a cliffhanger. I'm just saying. Now, here's the thing. All right. We can go back all the way to a famous story in the Old Testament. And in this story, you have Abraham, who's still called Abram. 
at this time. And he goes out to war with some various kings. So some of these groups are like Nephilim. And um, he, he wins. He, he basically pummels them all and gets all of this increase. So he's carrying it and he encounters Melchizedek, king of Salem. So in Genesis 14, verse 18, it says, then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine and was priest of God, most high. And he blessed him, that's Abram, and said, blessed be Abram of God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And he, being Abram, gave him a tithe of all. That's 10%. So here we have tithing established outside of the old covenant, right? And you have plenty to say about this, right? So does every thinking theologian. Um, people that really oppose tithing are shooting themselves in the foot. I, I truly believe this. I just see too many miracles, breakthroughs, and too much progress happen when people tithe and do above and beyond. It, it, you know, and then the, I, I watched the inverse. Anyway, Abram here is establishing a tithe outside of the old covenant, but in doing so, he is also setting up his generations. It's, it's a trade on his seed. <laughs> He's trading on his future generations. Now, the, mo the more common trade on the future generations looks like this. Okay, uh, Grandpa, you can join our Freemason Lodge, and you can pledge your future generations to us, and we'll put them in spiritual bondage and abuse them, but we'll give you a rocking business right now. Okay, sign the dotted line, and I'll sign off on the abuse and torment of my future generations. And now I get to sit down with the grandkids that are trying to figure out how to dig themselves out of the pit that's based on the spiritual trades their grandparents made on them in Freemason lodges and other cults and secret societies and so forth, right? So we see this trade on future generations all the time. This is a trade that is into other realms and into the heavens and in, in, into the spirit world in general. But here, Abram is giving a different trade. He's trading with heaven on his future generations. And by sowing into Melchizedek, guess what? It was from the descendants of Abram that the Messiah came. It was from the descendants of Abram that the throne of David was established. And it was from the the, the, the descendants of Abraham, that the high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek was situated. So now you have this priesthood in, in, in a pre or post-flood world where Melchizedek, which means um, king of righteousness, is the ruler of Salem, which is probably Jerusalem, working with the purpose of connecting man and God. And Abram sows into that. So fast forward a couple thousand years, Jesus Christ, as a descendant of Abraham, becomes high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. He is the king of righteousness. He sits as king of New Jerusalem. And as Christ, becomes the unifying factor between God and man. 
So you run into um, what it says in the book of Hebrews. It says, so also Christ did not glorify himself to become high priest, but it was he who said to him, you are my son. Today I have begotten you, as he is also says in another place, you are priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death and was heard because of his godly fear. You know, um, Jesus Christ becomes that Melchizedek, and this all connects back to this trade. But trade is very expansive and, and, and you know it's so expansive throughout the bible that i think i'm gonna have to do a whole series bride ministries church on this um trade is at the center of the cosmic chess match between god and satan it's at the center so the basic concept behind trade is giving and receiving so right i can go to the money the store and i can buy a stake with my money right or I can sow into the kingdom of God and store up treasures in heaven. The, the Bible says in Luke 18, 22, so when Jesus heard these things, he said to him, you still lack one thing. He's talking to this guy, he's a rich young ruler. He says, sell all that you have and distribute to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. How is it that the rich young ruler can sell what he has in the earth and yet in this other realm, in this other dimension appears treasure? So what we see then is this concept established. Money is all about trading between realms. What you do with your money here will reflect in the heavens in what you have or, or have lack of. You can have a deficit in accounts in the spiritual plane based on the squandering of resources in the physical plane. It, it, it's fascinating. Um, Philippians 4 has something to say about this. So interesting. Paul is talking about to the Philippians and he says, look, for even in Thessalonica, you sent aid once and again for my necessities. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. So the Philippians, by sowing into Paul and his ministry, had an account in heaven that was being populated with increase by what they were doing in the physical realm. So when people sow into things like drugs and prostitution and the sex trade and all this stuff. Just imagine what kind of evil treasures are being populated in evil accounts held against them in the second heaven. Uh, everything that happens on God's side has an inverse in the spirit world. Satan copies everything that God does. So there are evil accounts and then there are heavenly accounts. It's, it's, it's amazing. And so we're interacting with these. We're interacting with these. And, and, you know, the Bible says in Matthew 6, 19, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, right? So it, it, it's the same concept over and over and over again. What we do on earth is transacting things in the heavens. And, you know, you don't need a lot of resources in the earth to be very wealthy in heaven. That's, that's the amazing thing. But it's all about stewardship. And here's the thing. This is the next step, right? We understand the basic principle, but what if, what if there was a download from heaven that an entire system for a community of people could be built based not only on the interpersonal exchange, but on the wisdom found from trading with the heavenly realms. When I began to see this, Christian, I didn't 
I didn't have words for it. It was so complex. I was looking at it in the spirit and I'm like, this is so strange. How can this be articulated? But it's the answer. It's actually where this whole thing is going. How do we blur the veil between heaven and earth and walk in both realms simultaneously through the establishment of an economic system and policy? This I really truly believe will be deliverance for nations at a certain point. Oh, that's so good. That's really good. So a lot of things come to mind, but one thing is that, you know, I think it was really important that you distinguished or, you know, really hit on the, hit the nail on the head that trade is neither good nor or bad. It's agnostic. And uh, we see in, you know, when, Satan in the abundance of his merchandising, we think that trade in itself is inherently evil. The truth is, is that as we walk this life as spiritual beings, a part of the kingdom of heaven, we are engaging in trade and we should be from worship and praise. It's trade, right? Take your spirit of heaviness, right? It's all trade. Um, so, but I think there are things that we do. One of the things that Lord is really, uh, talk to me about and, and, and help me to understand this is a lot of things that we do. Cause I grew up in the church, um, as a Christian practice that we really were not taught very well about what we were doing. And so it becomes a place for the enemy to lay accusation on God's commandments or the things that God is requiring of us. So one, one thing that comes to mind is that there are a lot of Christian I'm going to put Christian ministries who make giving um, their primary message to the point where Christians are under significant financial abuse. The pastor's driving around in a, you know, a Bentley, he's got a massive house and the church is starving and the people in the church have, have nothing. And so it's left a lot of people with this idea that trading in, in, in the context of tithes and offerings is antiquated and outdated because it created some sort of fiat perspective, some a fiefdom around the, the, the pastor. And the problem with that is that it significantly locks us out of heavenly traits. Isn't that the devil? It's, you know, it's, go ahead, go ahead. The devil is a mastermind at wounding us in the area of our calling. So we stand outside of it. If you are called to preach to the masses, he's going to give you a wound that makes you afraid to speak in public. If you are cause, called to uh, bring healing to people through prayer, he's going to make sure that someone doesn't get healed at a key point in your development where you think that your prayers are toxic. Um, if you know, you're called to deliverance ministry, he's going to do his best to beat up on you to the point that you are more afraid of the demons than you are uh, carrying the fear of the Lord most high within you. You know, if, if you are called to make lots of money, he'll try to poison your mind towards money. And, and so if you are called to engage in heavenly trade as a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, I guarantee you he's going to poison your mind and heart towards giving. 
That's so good. That is so good. That is so good. I want to get to this next point because I'm almost, I want you to unpack this because it's, mm. it's, it's a lot of revelation. I don't, I haven't actually heard it all. So everything that Dan was talking about, um, I haven't heard it all because I wanted there to be an element of surprise <laughs> <laughs> and we're both really busy. So we don't have time to, to do that. But I, I want to talk about the connection between um, the soul trade in the U.S. birth certificate. So Daniel and I, we really do have a lot of fascinating conversations. And um, if you listen to this program long enough, what you'll come away with is an, is, is an understanding that governments around the world, definitely the United States, at least since the, you know, after World War I, going into World War II, have engaging in uh, cosmic soul trade type activity with the express intent of receiving technology and um, mathematical and um, societal advancement for, in exchange for the souls of men and women and children. And this is a massive problem. And Daniel and I, am I kind of going too far, Dan, or do you want me to? Yeah, so Daniel and I, we talk, I mean, this is, what I'm saying right now may be like a bomb for some people, but for us, it's just like, a, you know, the first part of the sentence. <laughs> it's just, a, it's like, okay, on that premise, now let's really go crazy, right? So there's a lot. What I just said was a lot. There's a lot to unpack. It's, um, there's a lot of uh, demonstrative evidence to suggest that what I was saying, what I'm saying is true and a lot of, um, a lot of evidence, but I want to talk about how that relates, that soul trade, that massive soul trade, cosmic soul trade that's been going on for so long. Um, honestly, it's been going on since the beginning of time and how it relates now in our context to the U.S. birth certificate. And this is something I think very few people actually know. Well, it, it, because this is the thing. I didn't know. No one actually explains to anybody how the system really works. As a matter of fact, when I was in school, like they, they were teaching us that the Federal Reserve was actually a federal institution, not a private bank. It, <laughs> the Federal Reserve is no more federal than the Federal Express. We have to buy our own currency from the international bankers and pay interest to them every time we print. This is ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. They just lie to us. I mean, it, there's so much that we are lied to about. No one actually, because if they told you how it worked, then everybody would up, go in an uproar. Like, this is the most ridiculous Ponzi scheme of all time, which it is. We are living under it right now. It's called the Rothschild banking system. But it connects realms. It, you can't even understand what they've done until you understand that money and trade is multidimensional in how it happens. Frankly, until you get that, you won't understand God's answer. Now, let's come back to the soul trade, okay? So when it comes to the spirit world, right, physical gold and silver has less value. That's very valuable to us. But in the spirit world, it's less valuable. If I go to a, a uh, demon and I say, would you like this block of gold? It's like, what am I going to do with that? Can I get a contract on your soul? You know, he wants the contract on the soul. Why don't you sign your name in blood? I'll take that. Right. Um, 
there is a trade on all kinds of physical things, but there is also a trade on souls. And, and Revelation 18, 11 through 13, articulates this in respect to Babylon. And talks about the merchants of the earth weeping over her, being Babylon, for no one buys her merchandise anymore. At this point, there has been a judgment and a destruction on Babylon in the book of Revelation. And it talks about merchandise of gold and silver, precious stones, pearls, fine linen, okay, all this other stuff. We drop down to verse 13. It says, and horses and chariots and bodies and souls of men. So there is a soul trade. Babylon trades in bodies and souls. And here's the thing that people haven't really understood. We understand sex trafficking because that's easy, right? You abduct a girl from her village. You take her 200 miles away from home. You give her no money, no access, and you lock her up in a room. And now men pay to use that poor victim. And well, there, there's your body trade, but what about the soul trade? You know, is it the same thing? And there's an overlap, yes, because when a person is being abused, traumatized, and their body is being sold, especially for the little children with these, all these pedophiles and so forth, um, their soul is shattering oftentimes at the same time. So the soul shatters. And whenever there's a shattered soul, there's an opportunity. And, and this is one of the things that I, I think a lot of deliverance ministers, they, they, we haven't caught up to this because there's a whole slew of deliverance ministers that think everything's a demon. If it talks and it's not the presenter, it's a demon, right? We're a little bit further than that. At Bride Ministries, we understand there's definitely parts and then there are demons. Now, the parts are fragments of human soul, sometimes fragments of human spirit and the merged stuff. So uh, we, we talk about parts, right? And parts happen through shattering and trauma, dissociation. This is opportunity for the kingdom of darkness. What we haven't understood is once we get to the understanding that there are parts, we don't understand that there's a whole conspiracy to harvest, to capture, to hunt soul parts, and to use them as trading goods in the spirit world. Soul hunting is an ancient practice. And this was rebuked by God in the book of Ezekiel. Surprise, surprise. It says, likewise, son of man, set your face against, um, set your face against the daughters of your people who prophesy out of their own heart. Prophesy against them and say, thus says the Lord, woe to the women who sew magic charms on their sleeves and make veils for the heads of the people of every height to hunt souls. Will you hunt the souls of my people and keep yourselves alive? Hunting souls goes all the way back. They were doing it then, hunting souls. But what are they hunting? When a person's soul is being fragmented, there is vulnerability. There are open doors of access, often trauma doors. And people can astral project through those doors or send in demonic entities under their jurisdiction through those doors and literally capture the soul fragments and then take them other places, literally out of the body. It always shocks people, Christian, when I tell folks, a lot of the survivors I sit down with that have been heavily abused may have 50 to 60% of their humanity in the body or less. 
The rest of it is not even in the body. This is one of the big failures of secular counseling for dissociative identity disorder. You, they get a person that's been satanically ritually abused and they think, well, if we can just help this person, you know, get enough drugs or come to a place of reconciliation with the areas of their life that were broken through their trauma, they'll be healed. No, you have to be able to get out into the spirit world and into the realms and regions of captivity where those soul fragments that were hunted and captured have been traded into. This is a big piece. This is why in the book of Matthew chapter 24, it says that God's angels at the coming of Jesus Christ will go from one end of heaven to the other. Why do the angels need to go from one end of heaven to the other to gather the children of his kingdom. If God is coming to earth, answer, there are soul fragments all across the cosmos because of the cosmic soul trait. Okay. And they need to be gathered. Okay. We haven't got to the birth certificate thing yet. Uh-oh. But I'm going to take you outside of your comfort zone a little bit to a conversation we had a few weeks ago. Oh my gosh, here we go. How do I ask this question? <laughs> you know, quite a number of you know a little bit about my revelation on undead. And I don't want to uh, have that conversation here. If you're interested on, in it, I touch a bit on that in my kingdom business course for a number of really important reasons. But I, wanna, I want you to talk about a little bit about what you discovered about the massive soul trade and the wrapping the earth into death to certain cosmic groups. <laughs> Please, yeah. sweetie. I'll, I'll talk about it, you know, okay. and, and, and I, I, I can only say but so much right now. Uh, the thing is, I was in a session and, and, and Jesus is in the session and, you know, the person I'm working with is, hearing and seeing Jesus very clearly and we're working on some things and and he had put forth some information he you know told them he said I really need Dan to know this I need him to understand that the earth has been placed in deep debt that the entire earth is in debt because of trades that have been made and we or, the, or I, I can't say because we are implicated but the parties responsible for making those trades have made bad bets, then they've made bad trades, not understanding who they're dealing with, and have continually placed the earth in more and more debt. But pledged as collateral against that debt are the people living in this world. And, 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 and this is very, very difficult to say, right? Because it's like, wait a minute, you're, you're telling me, Dan Duvall, that the earth is in debt to uh, cosmic entities fallen angels and so forth and the answer is yeah yeah well what gives a, a a person that's not you the right to make a trade with a group of evil beings and pledge you as collateral answer the system it's actually spelled out on people it's like it's like okay it, it kind of is like this um let's say i am a slave owner and i have contracts that say I pay $200 for each one of the slaves in my house and I owe my friend down the street $200. I have a 
piece of paper that literally says, well, my slave that I paid $200 for is in my possession. I will give you this piece of paper, this bill of ownership, and I will give you that person who corresponds to that, and my debt will be canceled. So I'm actually making a trade on a person's life, a trade on a person's soul, because I have the paperwork to prove that they are under my jurisdiction. This, this is where we begin to journey into the conversation on birth certificates. Let's oh, man. Let, oh, let's man. do it. Let's now, do I, it. I, the thing is, the thing is, I, I really think I'm going to have to do a series on this. But here's the deal. You mean a ser- are you talking about a series on my podcast that I that I just got? I don't. I'm not saying that. It might happen at church. You're gonna, you're no gonna be a regular knows. guest. <laughs> am I am I gonna get invited back? <laughs> oh my gosh, so nerve wracking. Oh man, you know you never want to blow an interview on your own podcast, like because it's not my podcast anymore. It's going to be called uh, the Christian Business Podcast on the Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall. Hmm. With Dan Duvall. With Dan <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Right. So now, now here's the thing. Here's the thing. Um, ever since the Act of 1871, which established the District of Columbia, Washington, D.C., we have been living under something known as the incorporated United States of America. The incorporated United States of America never existed before that. Before that, it was the United States of America. 1871, shift, now it's incorporated. That means that America goes from being a nation that is a republic to a corporation that operates like a republic. May not seem like a big distinction, but now there's a big shift because a corporation can be bought, sold, and traded, and it is always owned by someone or something. In this case, when the incorporated United States of America was established with the Act of 1871, it came under the ownership, technically, of international bankers. Now, why would this happen at all? Well, the answer is because the Civil War had left the U.S. in a weakened state, and we needed some dough. That's what happened. So they changed it to the incorporated United States of America, and this gave international bankers, aka Rothschild and Associates, a foothold. Now, if you want to look at who holds ownership over the incorporated United States of America, you have to look at the city of London, which is not London. It's not England. Even the crown of England, that is the monarchy, is under the oversight of the city of London, which is the real and true crown. And it's a sovereign, it's a sovereign estate. It's like a square mile inside of what they call Greater London. And that is where the Rothschild banking system has its source point, right? So, so America 
is not what we think it is. But, but we live in a false reality overlay. So we're allowed to believe we get rights and permissions and so forth. We get to vote on a president. But the president that we vote on is more a CEO of the corporation of the United States of America and less the president of the free world. <laughs> because it's not on paper free. Not unless we unincorporated the United States. So now, under the incorporation of the United States of America, you have something known as the, uh, I'll get this right, American Banknote Company. Now, the American Banknote Company prints the copies of the birth certificates and our names go in all capitals. So the American Banknote Company is a company that works on behalf of the incorporated United States of America to create corporations with the all caps name of each of the citizens born under the incorporated United States of America. So we are essentially born a subsidiary of a corporation that is owned by a group of international bankers. And here's the Ponzi scheme. We, as uh, corporations, only are allowed to trade in our mega larger corporation, Incorporated United States of America, when we use our social security number primarily. That allows us to get a bank account. It allows us to, you know, get credit. It allows us to uh, get a job. Because when we're applying for a job, we're applying for some kind of employment that's incorporated as a subsidiary under the United States of America. So you have a mega corporation with corporations formed by individuals and individuals that exist as corporations because of a birth certificate and a number that is assigned to them at birth. So we are property as corporations of the incorporated United States of America. Therefore, because of that paperwork, someone that sits in a power seat can make a trade. Because we are on paper valuated. And there is an actual valuation. You know, the Bible says in Matthew 16, 26, what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? It's interesting because they actually have a number. And it's between $650,000 and $750,000 that each person born in the U.S. is uh, valued at um, regarding the Fed. So we, as citizens, can be pledged as collateral against a U.S. national debt at that rate. Meaning that at current, you could pledge citizens against a debt of somewhere north of $200 trillion because that's what we're worth. <laughs> it's actually a number. When you look at a situation, and I encourage people to do their own research here, right? Because you're gonna look this up and you're gonna be shocked, appalled, and you know, very, very irritated like I am. Um, when you look at the occult perspective, you see the global banking elite, they actually believe they own the world and they own the people in it. They think they're above every law, they're above every nation. But on paper, 
because of the way the system has been built, they are. So what happens is we are linked to governmental structures in the spirit that we don't even know exist. This is why it's so difficult for people to transition into kingdom economies in this day and age, because in order to transition into kingdom economies, you are having to place every area of your life that was automated under a different government that is the one that you're born under and into the government of the kingdom of God piece by piece. So you have to renounce this and you have to renounce that and you have to turn this over to the government of Jesus. You have to turn that over to the government of Jesus. You have to break this. You have to break those covenants and these agreements. So, and, and slowly but surely a believer is able to reposition their whole life under a different government and begin to operate free of this system that we are born into. Now, this is all on paper, right? So, 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 so here's an example of how this works. Uh, let's take Eisenhower. Now, many people, right, are aware of this conspiracy around Eisenhower. Eisenhower made a deal with the alien grace. We're on Discovery Truth with Dan Duvall still, so I'm gonna go there. Like, you know, and, and, and so this is one of the more well-known traits. Many people have brought this up. He had certain incursions, different Air Force bases. Um, he went on some of these craft with these alien greys and, and eventually they came to an agreement. And everyone says the same thing. The agreement that Eisenhower makes with these alien greys is that we would not be involved in their affairs as they, long as they don't get involved in ours. Okay, bunny ears. Um, they would help us developing technology. There's your tech trade, right? So we're trading into tech that's not of this world. And they would not make any treaties with any other nations on the earth. I don't know if they live by that bargain because these things can lie. But part of the trade was that they could abduct humans for various experiments. Now, what gives President Eisenhower the right to make a trade on the torment and abduction of US citizens with this foreign group of entities? Answer because he's trading on corporations that are held as subsidiaries underneath what he is ceo of so it's all this legal framework we're, we're actually you know what we haven't understood is the enormity of the legalities that hold this world in bondage and it's not all in the spirit it's not all sin some of it is held in place by actual physical governmental orchestrations and the u.s is not the only corporation held in the possession of the crown that is the city of london right and um many nations all around the world have not only been you know subdued but they, they've been put in deep debt against it because through central banking and the creation of fiat currency you make nations buy their own currency from the international bankers at a rate of interest through bonds. So we actually go into debt more and more just existing in the system. The whole earth is getting raped for lack of better words by the system. And until we see the problem on the size and scope that it exists, every solution that we develop is ultimately gonna fall short of actually being 
valid. It's just only going to have so much success. It's going to create an, a pocket of breakthrough within a larger framework of defrauding. And that's where most Christians have navigated till now. All of our preaching and teaching on wealth creation, wealth acquisition, and so forth, which is good and necessary, which is good and necessary, has established pockets of, of, of um, success, productivity, and increase within a mega system that really needs to be challenged as the elephant standing in the middle of the room. And it's cosmic because it's people's bondage. It's trade with these entities and groups. And people are like, why am I getting abducted by alien grace? Well, answer. You may be part of the percentage of the population that they just targeted because you are a subsidiary of the government that made a trade on you. And this expands. I'm picking one example. And I want everybody to think deeply about this. If this happened in the 1950s, and we've seen the expansion and technology developments and all this stuff that we have seen in this world over the last 70 years. How many trades do you think these global elites, these cabal, this cabal, this, this shadow government, this military industrial complex has made on us, not only in America, all around the world? So good. You know, it's, it's, it's really important because, you know, Daniel and I have a, a very different vantage point on a lot of issues, a lot of things. We see a world that's so much more complex and complicated and unwielding than most people see. So when, we, when people have conversations around how to get out of debt, and how to create a debt-free system and how to create a debt-free society. It's not a simple conversation and it's not everybody just default, not pay your, your bills or, you know, how do we make these more affordable? It's a complex issue that has at its, as its root, the spiritual reality that the world is the physical world and the debt in the physical world is reflecting a spiritual truth that there is an enormous amount of debt that's heaped on the earth and the people of the earth on the backs for a very elite group of a few who benefit from it have immense amounts of technology that's 100 to 200 to 300 to a thousand years more advanced than what we see and they're using the time that they're not putting the technology out to wrap the world into more bondage so we don't have simple answers because it's not a simple problem. It's a, it's a really, really, really complex problem. And um, just to kind of bring this home, I'll give you one example of this because I know what you're thinking. $750,000, there are people in poverty and economic lack in um, certain communities, socioeconomic communities around the country and around the world who, or the United States around the country, who, who are not, who will never make $750,000 in a year, in a, in, a, in a lifetime. The truth is, I was just having a conversation with someone about this yesterday, and the person was in Mississippi, that this actually goes into the uh, industrial, the prison industrial complex, in the sense that a lot of the prisons have actually been privatized 
and the government's paying between 1200 to 1500 sometimes $2,000 a month for every person in prison. And if you actually do the math of, let's just say it's $1,200 a month for a year, and you multiply that times 50 years, assuming that there's a lot of people being put in prison for the rest of their lives, $740,000. The math works out. So it's not that people are making that in economic value necessarily from a productive career. Sometimes people are put, they're, they're used and put in prison and in those prisons, they're working and providing, you know, on, on factories and making all types of things in prison, making two cents an hour, but also producing for the system, 600 to $700,000 worth of value. Same thing in hospitals. One of the things, one of the interesting statistics Dan and I um, found out when we were investigating the modern health system is just how they value cancer at about $50,000. That's, that's the value of a cancer patient. Uh, the cancer uh, diagnosis is extremely valuable, which is why we went from one in 20, 50 years ago to one in three people have cancer now. Well, I can tell you a story about my grandfather who passed with cancer last year. Do you know what he owed in his bills right before they cut him off? It was about forty-eight dollars to $49,000 before they said, there's nothing more we can do for you. It's a real number. There's a real value that, pe- that people put on lives. It's, it's really important. And the last thing I wanted to say about this soul trade issue before I kind of ask the question is, you know, this is a, this is a real thing. Trading is a, is a real thing. How we think about how we trade our time from, for employment, for money is something that we should be very, very thoughtful about and prayerful about and making sure we're being led by the Holy Spirit. I've shared this example before, but I think it's a really perfect place to insert this. When Daniel, right after Daniel, I, you know, Daniel introduced me to my, to uh, my spirit and I was much more intent, uh, attuned about what was going on within my realm. I remember waking up and I was still in New York city at the time. And I'm, I was, I woke up and I just heard like mining, like, like, you know, when you were outside and there was somebody who was like jackhammering in, in a cement or, or the ground. And the, the Lord gave me a vision and showed me how there was like my realm, almost like the crust like of, of an earth or a place. And then there was actually mining going on in my realm. So if you don't know, understand that language, you're not exactly sure. Um, go listen to a lot of other podcasts. We're not gonna- <laughs> <laughs> there's a class realms and dimensions unsealed realms and dimensions unsealed you can you can listen to that there's a lot of other places to go but we're not going to unpack exactly this language and what it means but essentially there's there's mining going on in um in, in my realm my jurisdiction on inheritance in christ that that the lord had given me and it was a spiritual activity that was going on and and of course, the immediate thought that you would have is, how is this allowed to happen? Why is this allowed to happen? Why, why is this happening? And, and the Holy Spirit revealed to me very quick, clearly that at the time, I was actually trading security, status, level of prestige or whatever, and the lifestyle I wanted at my job that I was working at the time. And I was actually willfully making that trade. 
the six figures, the whatever, do, doing something that I could explain to my um, call, you know, uh, contemporaries and, and friends and networks and things like that. And it sounded on par with what they were doing. And it, I was trading that. And in exchange, they were just siphoning spiritual virtue, my inheritance, things I was supposed to be walking in, things that actually belonged to me. It, the inheritance was just flying out of my realm. And it was a willful trade that I'd made. Now, did I sign a paper and did I say, oh yes, go ahead, take that for my inheritance and, and I'll take this. No, it was implicit. It was the agreement that I was making implicitly to say, am I going to trust God and whatever he caused, asked me to do, no matter where it takes me, or am I going to settle for something that I think is going to make me feel secure and safe and economically um, you know, whole. And that created a trade. It's, it's just that simple. And so uh, this is a real thing. It's, it's not just soul parts. It's how we value things, where we put value on things and, and how we organize our lives and spend our times on. Because you better believe that your employment is a trade and a spirit that's, that's recognized legally. So you better make sure you're in the right place. So I just wanted to, to put that out there. Um, and we've had a really awesome time. We're going to wrap up soon. <laughs> but I do want to ask you a question because I know it's a, uh, on people's minds. Uh-oh. Again, it's not a hard, it, What makes soul parts, soul fragments, soul tr- what makes the aspect of the soul so valuable to these cosmic entities? What makes it so valuable to fallen angels why is it the current currency that is most valuable in the heavens now do we want to answer this here or do we want to save this one for the cliffhanger we're gonna make the call because because if we leave this for the cliffhanger this will be your fault You choose. So I want to ask you, so this is a question that, um, this is where this conversation is going. We'll we'll, we'll leave it. We've probably been going for over an hour, hour and 20 minutes. I I talk a lot. Dan said, I don't know if I'll be able to fill up an hour. And I'm like, you can fill up an hour talking about anything. (laughs) You could do announcements on your podcast for an hour. Sometimes it feels like an hour. It does feel like I know the truth. Um, you know, for you, for those of you who are like, I'm just going to start, we're going to kind of wrap this up and bring this in. I, I know, I know how you may feel because, you know, it is overwhelming to have this conversation and it does feel like, okay, so I have a U.S. birth certificate. I have one. Daniel has one. We both have social security numbers. What do we do about this? Where, where do we go from here? We understand that's trading happening. We understand that we can engage in trading and we should in heavenly trading with, with uh, the kingdom of heaven. But then there's also this idea that we are kingdom citizens stuck in a system that is corrupt and, 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 and binds many people in, in debt. Well, let me, can, poverty. can I say something here? Yeah. We're gonna we're gonna save the other question for the cliffhanger, but on this, I want to just say, you know, 
um, there is a whole move uh, movement. It's a small movement. It's called the sovereignty movement, where people are renouncing their, um, you know, birth certificates, social security numbers, this and that. Um, I don't think God is calling everyone to do that. Uh, what I do know is that sometimes systems need to be changed from the inside out. And problem solvers need to allow God to raise them up and to respond to heaven as to what their job is, knowing the circumstance at hand. And some people are called to be successful in the system in spite of the system. Uh, some people are called to be policymakers from within the system. Because when you're outside of the system, you're outside. Mm -hmm. uh, when you're inside, you can make a change. Um, and so I think that what this conversation does is establish context exactly. for the kinds of things God is calling people to individually. And it comes back to the same ideas we're on all the time overlay of realms the kingdom of god is designed to supersede our situations and circumstances as a dimensional overlay so as we engage with the kingdom of god his government supersedes our circumstance it's supreme it's superior so we don't make decisions out of fear we make decisions out of faith and we um make our approach to life assignment based that's the key at the bottom of the whole thing. It's like, well, what do I do now? Well, what is God telling you to do? What's the Holy Ghost telling you to do? Well, he's telling me to take care of my family, keep my job and keep learning. Good, then just do that. <laughs> Don't do anything crazy, right? Um, th this, is, th this is how God works. He gives us instructions and step-by-step. Step. Do I know where all of this is going? Do I know the full structure of a coming economic system? No, I don't have that yet. I know one piece at a time, and I am faithful to do one thing at a time, as God is calling me to do it. Christians, the same way, one thing at a time. It's called the walk of faith. That's so and good. I want to leave all of you with that. That's so good. And that's kind of what, what I wanted to say is that, you know, I think there is a new economic system coming about, but it is going to be built, run, and operated by kingdom citizens who have not only the context for it, but the revelation about how to, how to do it. And so this is the beginning. We were opening this up. You know, Daniel, Daniel often has a lot of revelation that's unsettling, but what it does is it give, gives us the context in order to hear God when he speaks to us about what our part is. So this language won't sound so funny. And when you, when you know um, what it is, if God is speaking to you and saying something, you're like, ah, now I understand it. Because oftentimes God can only give us revelation or a mandate at the level at which we actually understand the problem. Mm -hmm. And so the deeper you understand what's going on, the bigger the picture, the higher the level, the more you are able to be a steward of the talents that you have to be employed in this context, uh, the, the better you are going to be a kingdom citizen who's able to get people out of the old system into the new, God's just going to be able to reveal so much more to you. And so that's part of this. So I encourage you not to be discouraged at all. This is actually good news because at least we know this. And now we can, uh, we know how to pray. We know what to pray. 
we know how to direct our efforts and we know where to uh, seek guidance from the Lord. And I will say as this context, I think we are going to do another podcast on um, some more things around the soul trade, if you would, and also this new economic system. Daniel has so much on this new economic system that I don't even know. The truth is, I don't even know it all. I'm a little afraid to ask him questions about it because I know it's going to be super out there. And <laughs> <laughs> it's going to just try my faith. But I want to hear it because, you know, um, it's going to be an interesting thought experiment and also an interesting way to, to, to put our faith towards. So I just want to say over the next few months, I hope you hear with different ears. I hope you hear with the imperative of how important it is for us to be in the game and to be knowledgeable about whatever it is God is asking us to do and to step it up. If you're, if you're a prophetic entrepreneur and you're sitting on an idea from heaven, now is the time to get off of the couch, turn off the Netflix, and let's get moving and started. And if you don't know where to start, um, I have a, a kingdom business class that I'm launching this week. It's a little too late to sign up for it, but I will run it again. It's a six-week six week course that um, I'm requiring for any other courses I do in the future because it is the spiritual underpinnings. It is the foundational understanding that you need to know in order to be a kingdom business operative. I also will have a product launcher course, which is a course say I have a product. I've launched several products. This is not it, but I have a product here. It's a really cool little nifty box. This isn't actually a good business idea. These are like 10 cents from China, but you get my point. Um, how do I get this out to market? God gave it to me. It's on a blueprint. I'll go step-by-step step with you on a minimum viable product. It's called an MVP, which is the least amount of money and the least amount of time that you need to spend in order to test whether or not it's a good idea. And then there'll be other courses that are kind of like MBAs in a box that, that I'll teach. And that'll, they'll come out throughout the year, but you'll have to start at the Building Kingdom business class because there's no place to start if you don't have a spiritual perspective. And I think that's pretty clear. So I think it's going to be an amazing time. I hope you all enjoyed this podcast. Daniel, thank you for letting me do a, a Daniel takeover and a user studios, which are wonderful. And um, thanks for being such an amazing guest and providing context for why we're having this discussion and why this discussion is so important. I think it was valuable, timely, and incredibly relevant. So thank you for being my first guest. Well, thank you. And uh, folks, you can visit us at bridemovement.com. Until next time, God bless and Godspeed. This is actually my podcast. Oh. So uh, folks, you have been listening to <laughs> the Christian <laughs> Business Podcast on Discovering the Truth, Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall. Um, please visit, visit us at bridemovement.com. And God bless and Godspeed. You've been listening to Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall. This podcast is a production of Bride Ministries International. Visit our website at brideministriesinternational.com to enjoy the Bride Ministries Church, the Bride Ministries Institute, 
free resources, and to support us financially.